0: Well, hey, everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. You know, we have just been so honored to be able to come into your homes over these last few weeks, and we've just seen thousands of people connect in and engage with uh, what's going on. And and man, we just wanted to be able to step into your world. You know, our production team has raised the game. You should give them a hand right now, uh, wherever you are, because they have been amazing, haven't they? Um, Whether it's our production, our worship, our teaching, our content delivery, man, we wanted to give our best. Best for you because we know that in your house right now you are restless. Man, you probably have some cabin fever and you're just waiting to be able to go back to life as normal. And I think some of you may be even planning on what you're gonna do. Like the first thing you're gonna do uh, when you get out, like I don't know about you, but are you planning maybe the first thing that you're gonna do when you get to get out and get out to get normal? You know, some of you already have those clothes laid out that you're gonna wear um, because you don't wanna wear them around the house and get dirty for no reason, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so you've got your best outfit laid out, you're ready to go. Man, one of the things I wanna do, Costco free samples, like I'm ready for it. Come on, let's go. Um, you know, some of you ready to go back to the gym, right? You are tired of doing push-ups in your house. Um, you know, some people, maybe ladies, you ready to get a little nails done, something like that, or maybe maybe your roots are showing just a little bit. I don't know. I'm not saying that, but just maybe that's what's happening. You know, I realize how much money I've saved getting haircuts, and so I'm never getting another one. Next time you see me, I will have the man bun going on, right? So, um, but there's just so much that, that causes us to be restless. And, and if we're honest, the quarantine really hasn't caused us to be restless. It's just revealed where we are restless. You know, and when we are restless, you know what that means. We rest less and our souls are not at rest. And I believe what the quarantine has revealed for us is that, man, our schedules. Have been so busy and our lives have been so noisy that our souls have shriveled and God seems silent and how can we begin to get some soul rest you know there's some symptoms for a life that doesn't have soul rest you know for you we talked about last week you know maybe it's a low level of depression you know maybe it's a higher level of anxiety you know, maybe you just feel like you're in a bad mood all the time and you're just pessimistic and you feel like you woke up on the wrong side of the bed every single day. You know, it could be that you're tired even though you feel like you got enough sleep. And these are all just symptoms of what we call soul rest. And that is what we need if we want to have the life that God's designed for us. You know, St. Augustine, an early church father, had this quote about a soul at rest. He said, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God, you know, some people say this may be the greatest sentence ever written outside the Bible, and what I believe he's trying to say, and one way I believe that we could capture the um, the, the the heartbeat of what Augustine has said, is that when we get more of God, we'll get more rest. And when we get more of God, when we get more of his presence, when we get more of our attention on him, we will feel more at rest. And this is the life that God has called us to. And this is our hope as we talk about what it looks like today to get more of God into our lives. Listen, this is no matter who you are, you need more of God it doesn't matter your social standing, it doesn't matter your economic standing, it doesn't matter whether you feel lonely or not lonely, it doesn't matter if you feel like quarantine is good for you or bad for you, it doesn't matter what you think about the future after the quarantine, listen, we all need more of God because our world is changing at such a rapid pace and we need something in our lives that is not changing. It's the only thing that can anchor our souls and provide us with the longing that we have to be connected to a purpose deeper than ourselves. So so how do we get there? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. And so we're going to grab our Bibles and we're going to begin to open them up. Before we do that, let me pray for us and then we'll jump in. God, we're just grateful that we have your word to stand on, that you are an anchor for our souls, that we can have a soul that its rest, and even when our world is in chaos or maybe noisy or busy or in a hurry, God, we can slow down and we can have rest. We can live with a calm assurance, and we can be confident about our future. And God, I pray for those listening to this message today, as we talk about getting more of you, Lord, that, man, that their hearts will begin to settle into what this could mean for them, that they begin to get just a peek, a glimpse into the life that you have for them and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're gonna be in John chapter 15 today. We're gonna to be in John chapter 15. Grab your Bible, open up. You can go to your uh, maybe you have the UVersion app, the Bible app. Grab that, go to John chapter 15. I'm gonna start out in verse one. I'm gonna read down through verse five and then um then I'm gonna kind of back up and talk about each verse independently. So John chapter 15 verse one says I'm the true vine And my father is the vine dresser. In other words, he's the horticulturist. He's the gardener, right? Every branch in me that that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus starts out with this nebulous two words. It's like, I am, right? I am. And this is really important to his audience because, you know, in in the Bible, we see specifically in the Old Testament, when Moses kind of the hero of the Old Testament, when Moses was asking God, like, like, who are you? What, what God tells him is I am. So when Jesus makes this, I am statement, what he's saying is I'm God. He's, he's taking the place of God in that moment. And so throughout the book of John, we see him use this, I am phrase seven different times. Seven times he makes a statement, and what he's trying to do is to help us to connect on a relevant, authentic level with who God is. Because God is so transcendent and so far off, he's trying to come into our world with these seven statements. He says things like, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way. I am the door. I am the light. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the vine. And so what Jesus is trying to communicate is that he is the source of life, is that it, it, there was a time when people may have looked to the law to follow the law and thought that that's what brought them life, or maybe there was a time when they looked to their good works, or maybe there was a time when they looked to something else, that Jesus himself, he is the source of life. And this is, this is a game changer for us because many people know about Jesus, but not everybody knows Jesus, right? And we need to know what it looks like to be in relationship with him. And so Jesus uses this vine imagery of, of vine and branches and how they provide life to each other. And so he is our source of life. Man, man so when Jesus uses this, it's not, our, it's not the ethics that we have that make us connected to God. It's not the laws that we keep. It's not our doctrinal statement. It's not whether we're right or wrong all the time. It's not whether we you know, serve. It's not our good works that we do or the bad works that we don't do. It is our connection to Jesus that provides life. That's everything, isn't it? You know, that's one of the reasons that, you know, our mission statement, as you guys know, and some of you may not know, our mission statement is to elevate the name of Jesus. And we believe that if we can point people to Jesus, then they will find life. And that's why we want to plant campuses. We want to plant churches. We want to multiply leaders. We want to see people who can carry life wherever they go. That's why beyond is so important that as we enter into this beyond initiative over these next two years that we want to see the life of Jesus go beyond us into other people. And so Jesus uses this this terminology to help us see and help us get this illustration of what it looks like to have life in him. And so if this is true, if he is life, then we should arrange our lives around him completely. Like think about if you were a person, man, in the desert and needed water you would arrange your entire life around finding water, wouldn't you? And this is the way our lives need to be arranged. And for some people, this is a grand overhaul. And for some people, you may think that seems a little much, but listen, if you want life, this is the offer and this is the requirement. And so Jesus begins to point out how we do that. Now, now Jesus begins talking about what it looks like to produce fruit, which I love the idea of fruit. You know, if I, if I, I want a life that that, uh, man, that's productive, I want a life that looks like it's got some kind of impact and influence, and that's generally what we talk about when we talk about the fruit of our life. And so Jesus talks about bearing fruit. Now, there's a couple things about fruit um, that we should know. Have you noticed that fruit is always new? It's always new. Have you ever left a banana in your car, and a couple of days later, you found it, and it was because it smelled so bad, and there were fruit flies all over the place, or maybe an apple? You ever got a mushy apple? Can't stand those things, you know? Man, fruit is always fresh. You can't hoard fruit. And here's fruit is always new, it's always new. Good fruit is always new. And listen, God wants to do a new work in your life. He wants to do a new work in my life. God is always about creating us and making us into new creatures. There's this place in the Bible that says this, man, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed, new things have come. And this is what God wants to do in your life. And I know that you've been sitting at home for a while and things feel old and you haven't bought any new clothes and you haven't been able to do much that's new. But listen, God, even in this time, God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to make you new he wants to give you some new character traits he wants to refine your personality god wants the new and listen I know maybe you face some heartache and some hardship it may be that your relationships now are fractured and maybe your maybe your job or financial picture seems to look dim but listen don't get locked into looking at the old trust God for the new the new fruit is always always reproducing and growing new another thing about fruit is you can always see it Like, that seems obvious, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, if you walk out into your yard and someone says, that's an apple tree, you won't believe them unless you see some apples, right? Man, fruit is always seen. And for people who were connected to Jesus, we have fruit that other people see in our lives. Now, the question we always ask is, what does that look like? Because if you'll tell me the 10 things that it looks like, those are the 10 things I'm gonna go after. But that's not how it works, right? We are characterized by what we're connected to. Our lives are characterized by what we're connected to. So think about this for a minute. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're connected to your television right now and you're connected through your remote control and maybe that's what's characterizing you, your life. It's characterizing how you think, it's characterizing how you process, it's characterizing your mood, it's characterizing how you spend your time, it's characterizing everything about the output of your life, right? We're characterized by what we're connected to. And so Jesus says, I want you to be characterized by doing the things that I do. You know, one of the things is we begin to read down through that passage that characterizes Jesus' life is prayer. Man, people who are connected to Jesus, they pray. You know, and I know over the last three weeks that we've probably seen more prayer than any time in the history of the world, wouldn't you say? I mean, because as they say, there are no atheists in foxholes. And I can only imagine what, that when this thing hit, man, many people dropped to their knees. But God's looking for more than just this one-time prayer a day and then for us to move on into the rest of our day on our own. Man, God is looking for us to be connected to him through prayer. You know, Paul says this, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And I don't know that Paul means we should go around mumbling all the time, although that that may not be terrible, Um, but I do think it means as I think about things, I pray them out. If I see a need, I just pray for it. If someone texts me, pray for me, I pray for it immediately. If I I see something that I'm grateful for, I just thank God for it in that moment. Prayer is uh, one of those things that will characterize our life when we're connected to Jesus. Another one is obedience. You know, we just do the things that Jesus asks us to do, not so he will love us, But because he does love us, that we will obey and do the things he's asked us to do. Here's one that I want more of, joy. Don't you want more joy? You know, one of the things our lives will be characterized by when we're connected to Jesus is we'll have more joy. You ever met anybody and they just feel like they're always full of joy? They're always smiling and it's not faked or forced. It's just natural. And I'm just attracted to that. Man, joy is something. Another thing that we'll do if we're bearing fruit, if we're connected to Jesus, is we will tell other people about him. Now imagine this, you have the best news that's in the history of the world. You have the best news that everybody's looking for and we get to tell people about it. Like I can't even imagine the dignity that God has given us who follow Jesus to be able to tell other people and point other people to him. It's one of the greatest mysteries to me that God would give us this opportunity. And I think that now during this corona crisis, that we have such a great opportunity. How easy is it just to hit share on your Facebook or through your live stream, just to let someone connect in to a message that may change their lives. We get to tell other people about Jesus and these things should characterize our life. And of course, there's so much else that that God wants to do in our lives because the reality is every day when we wake up and God wants to begin transforming us in his image, God wants us to bear fruit that looks like him. So just ask yourself this question for you today. Like, what would Jesus do if Jesus were you today? You know, if you're a mom at home, you're still in your pajamas, and you've been in your pajamas since um, March the 31st, and uh, you know, like, who would Jesus be if Jesus were you? How would he handle his kids? How would he deal with some of the stress? How would he homeschool? How would Jesus handle that? What is some of the fruits? some of the characterizations of his life that can mark your life. This is what it means to bear fruit. Now, now, the thing about fruit is you'll notice that grapes don't make grapes, do they? <laughs> apples don't make apples. Grapes make wine. Apples make apple juice, right? I mean, fruit doesn't re- reproduce itself. That's God's job. God is the one who produces the fruit in my life. I'm not responsible. I'm just responsible for positioning myself in such a way that fruit is the outcome of my life. Now, this should relieve a lot of pressure in your life. Man, that you don't have to force it and you don't have to manufacture it, that God wants to produce it in you. You know, I had an old sage pastor say this to me recently. He said, do your best, take a nap. Do your best then take a nap. And I think that what he means is we still need to work hard. Man, we still need to give God our best. We still need to give him everything. But then it's up to him and then it's his responsibility. And if things don't look like the way I think they would look, then that, that pressure is not something that I have to worry about. You know, when I went to seminary, there was a lot of guys there. I went to seminary to get my master's degree. I was a little bit older. I was in my late 20s. And so um, when I went there, there's some guys, the average age is about 32. And so everybody who went to seminary had a wife and kids and man, they just wanted to be out. They hated being there. And I was just so glad to be there because I had no mortgage, no car payment, no nothing. You know, I always feel like it was freedom, but they hated being there. And one of my professors told those guys, he says, listen, if God comes back and he's told you to be here and you're here, He's going to be happy with you. So listen, let's don't resist our stage of life or what's going on because this may be exactly where God has us for this time. And we need to know what it means to bear fruit. Listen, when you, get, when you get more of God, you're more at rest and you bear more fruit. Now, now in verse two, he has what is possibly not my f- most favorite part of the Bible. And when he says this, He says, every branch that does bear fruit, meaning, seems like that's going good, right? Every branch that does bear fruit. Now, I would hope right here, Jesus would say, every branch that does bear fruit will be rich. I'd love that, wouldn't you? Like, every branch that does bear fruit will be healthy. Every branch that does bear fruit will be blessed. Like, that's what I would hope, but watch what he says. He says, every branch that does bear fruit He prunes. He prunes. So when you think about a grapevine specifically being pruned, you know, a grapevine grows for at least three years before they'll allow it to bear fruit. They cut off all the branches so that it won't bear fruit for specific reasons. They want the roots to grow deep so they can deliver the maximum amount of nutrients. They want the branches to be strong enough to be able to hold um, big, large clusters of grapes for up to six months at a time. And sometimes the, the branches won't be strong enough to, bear, to hold up the grapes so they prune them so that the grapes won't grow on them yet. And then other times after the grapes begin to grow, they, there's other smaller shoots of branches that begin to grow that they'll cut off too because they will soak up all the nutrients and they want to be able to maximize the fruit bearing potential of those branches that they have already cultivated to hold grapes, and so what happens in our lives is we, we can expect to be pruned, is what Jesus is saying. Pruning just feels painful to me, doesn't it to y'all? Pruning, it just, it just feels painful. I mean, it requires a sharp instrument to cut something off. Like, that doesn't feel like something that would be good for me. But the reason why God prunes our lives is so that we will bear more fruit, is what he says right here in verse 2, is that we will bear more fruit. And we can expect it. Now, there's a couple of meanings to this idea of pruning. One is purging. One is purging, getting rid of. Now, now I have to believe that some of you guys over the course of this corona crisis um, have been purging your houses. I have some friends of mine even put a dumpster in their driveway. Like, that's my kind of person right there. Let's get rid of some stuff. Now, my wife's the queen of purging. I'll be honest. She loves to get rid of stuff. As a matter of fact, when she gets our goodwill pile I usually have to go through it to be sure it's not Stephen's goodwill pile to be sure that uh, there's nothing in there that I want. But the reality, she loves to get rid of stuff because when you get rid of stuff, what happens? It makes more room, right? It helps you get rid of the old to make more room for the new. And so that's part of what uh, pruning is. Another word for pruning is, this, is the word cathartic. It's where we get the word pruning from, cathartic, catharsis. And there's a lot of things that that are cathartic. Cathartic means cleansing. So, you know, there's some things that we do that are cathartic for our lives. Like you may go to a counselor because it's cathartic for you. You may go on a jog because it's cathartic for you. You may just go sit in a room alone by yourself because it feels cathartic. And what that means is it just cleanses you. It helps you to clear your mind, to clear your soul, to clear your spirit, to be able to receive the new that's happening. And listen, this is what God wants to do in our life with pruning. Man, God's gonna remove some things Because he wants to replace some things. God's gonna remove some things because he wants to replace some things. Cathartic. You know, I believe that instead of the corona crisis, we should call this the corona cleansing. Because God's doing a lot of cleansing in our lives. You know, just reading in an article this morning on my way in um, about the beaches of Florida now have more sea turtles than they've had in decades. That God is using this time to even, where the beaches are not crowded with people, to even renew his creation. And we see that story over and over and over again. Man, it's the corona cleansing. And I wonder for you what that looks like. What is it for you that God's been removing so he can replace it with something better? We don't always see exactly what he's doing. You know, if you think about, maybe you've experienced some of this pain of pruning over this time together. Maybe it's in your marriage. You know, maybe what happened is this proximity has bubbled up some conflict, some areas of brokenness in your marriage, and it's been painful, but also what God wants to do is he wants to grow something new there to strengthen your marriage, to bring some new uh, growth there so that your marriage can be more than what it was before. You know, it could be that you've been so busy and your schedule's been so frazzled that now that you're still, you're just having to deal with loneliness and you're having to be by yourself and, and you're learning that you've just filled your life with this noise because you've been avoiding all of these other areas of your life that were too painful to deal with. And what God wants to do in the midst of that is God wants to bring, God wants to bring some healing to you. He wants to bring some, some healing to your soul about your identity and who you are and what your life's about. He wants to redeem this time. You know, and there's so much, maybe for you, it's in your vocation. You know, maybe as, you know, you've been running down the career track and everything's been good and you've given your life to it. And now all of a sudden you've been furloughed or laid off and it felt like maybe they meant more to you than you meant to them. And now you're having a reevaluation of your life and what's really important and what God's doing in the midst of that. He's pruning you so that your life will bear more fruit for him. Like, what is it? What is it that God's removing in your life today? You know, I want to be clear that you understand this, man. It is not punishment that this is happening. God isn't punishing you, but God is preparing you to produce more fruit. You know, a lot of times when we go through pain, and struggle, we think, man, what's God doing? What did I do? What sin did I commit? Where, am I? Where is God not happy with me? Why am I deficient? And it's not punishment. This is just the way life works, man. We can expect to be pruned. It's not God's punishment in your life. Now, one thing about Jesus is Jesus is an expert. He's an expert in your life, so he's an expert at pruning. Like Jesus didn't start pruning and then and then all of a sudden he's like, oops, got too much. <laughs> got the taproot. Oh, sorry. That's not how it works. You know, a good um, a good vine dresser actually will cut a vine, will prune a vine to within a millimeter of how uh, to within a millimeter of its desired length. That's how much of an expert they are. And then Jesus is an expert in your life. Like Jesus knows what you're good at. Jesus knows your future. Jesus knows what's holding you back. And sometimes there's these blind spots in our life that we don't realize are holding us back and that maybe is too painful for us to deal with, and God's gonna reach into your life and help deal with those, especially during this time. You know, I think for some people, maybe you got home and all of a sudden your addictions and your appetites began to just manifest themselves in such a way that you've been able to hide through your busyness, and now it's always in front of you, and you realize the danger it is for your life, and this is what God's gonna do. It's not to punish you. He's an expert in your life and what he wants you to be. And then we kind of see our part, you know, God's part is to prune us. And then there's this other word that we see frequently throughout this passage and it's called abide. He goes on, in fact, in verse um, four, he says, abide in me, I in you, as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we have this idea of of abiding, right? Abiding. Now, abiding just means remain right? Abide's kind of this Bible term, this religious term that none of us really know what to do with. And it just means remain. So think about it this way. There's some people remaining in your house right now, probably. And they're staying there for an extended period of time until the quarantine is over, until they can go back to school or until they can go back to work, whatever it is, like they're remaining there. And so what Jesus is saying is like, we're to remain with him. Like We're to remain with him. And that's how we're going to learn to bear fruit is by remaining in Jesus because he is the source of life. Man, there, there's no detail of my life that Jesus is not involved in. Like there's no detail of my life that Jesus is not involved in. There's not a conversation I have that he's not involved in. There's not a decision that I make that he's not involved in. There's not a, there's not a thought that I have. There's not a step that I take. You know, there's this passage in the book of Luke and Jesus is trying to explain to us how much he cares for us. And he says, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Like that's kind of crazy to me. The very hairs of my head. I wonder how many I have, you know, um, not as many as I used to. Right. Um, And so, but what he's just trying to communicate is there, it's not just a, Hey, give me your morning time. And then it's over. It's not just, Hey, pray to me on Sundays and it's over. It's every minute of every day, all day, every day, God wants to be involved in every aspect of my life. But this is difficult, isn't it? Like if we're honest, we may can start the day off strong, but there comes a point in the day we forget God. Right? It could be in the middle of a conflict, it could be in the middle of just being tired, it could be in the middle of a distraction. I can remember once I was having a conversation with a guy, and I'm not sure if it was going well or not. I think it wasn't because he said to me, I thought you were a pastor. And I said, Yeah, and this pastor feels like he wants to punch you right in the face. Um, no, but you know, I mean, sometimes we forget God in the middle of our day, and that's that's part of just being human and fallen, but God wants us to develop rhythms in our life so that we remain at rest in him. Listen, God wants us to develop rhythms in our life so that we remain at rest in him. What what these rhythms do is it opens our lives up to a power beyond our own. So think about it this way. If there's a certain life that you want, there's a lifestyle you adopt. There are rhythms that you adopt. So if there's a certain life that you want, let's say, for instance, you want to be successful in the company that you started five years ago. There's a certain lifestyle that you adopt. You get up early. You work hard. You pay attention to detail. You hire good people, right? There's a certain rhythm to your life that that results in the life that you want. And that's, let's say there's a certain body that you want, right? You want to be healthy. There's a certain lifestyle or rhythm that you adopt. You eat kale and spinach for breakfast and chicken breasts and you never eat sugar and you exercise a few hours a day and there's a certain rhythm to your life. And listen, if we want the rest that only Jesus can offer, man, there's a certain rhythm that we need to adopt to our life that will remind us to remain at rest in him. Now, now for most people, that rhythm actually turns out to be our phone. It turns out to be our phone. 77% of adults in the United States would say that when they have downtime, they reach for their phone, okay? That's our rhythm. We touch our phone about 75, excuse me, about 2,500 times a day. So, so right now, here's a quick exercise that you could do at home. So just uh, grab your phone, go to your settings, scroll down to your, um, your battery settings, and just notice the apps that are getting the most of your time, right? Now, for me, you'll notice my, the, my first one is clock. My second one is Bible. Now, the only reason it's Bible is because I knew I was gonna be doing this and I was sure that my Bible app's been open for the last two weeks now. Um, but you can go through there and you can see kind of what you've been reaching for. You can see the rhythms of your life. Now, the thing about the screen that... Um, uh, you know, is we take it everywhere. It goes everywhere with us. And until recently, they weren't waterproof and you couldn't take them in the shower. And of course, now they're waterproof. You can take them in the shower, but you better be careful because that camera's always on. Don't worry about it. Um, because we see you even now and you don't know that. Um, but we, we look for our phones. We look for a screen. We look for something else besides God. So we need a rhythm of, of remaining at rest in Jesus. Now, now clearly the, the morning is the place to start, right? We need to start our day with a rhythm of connecting with God. Now, now, I personally like the mornings. It's the time that's best for me. But I want to I'm going to do a I want to kind of maybe recast the vision for your morning uh, today, man. Maybe you've heard of this term quiet time. You guys have heard of this term quiet time. It's the time that we get up in the morning. And and I don't really like that word because it it sounds like you know you're sending your three year old in to take a nap, right? You got to have quiet time today. And and quiet time generally turns out to mean I've got my Bible plan. I read it. I did some prayer. And now I'm moving on with my day. And what happens throughout the day is, man, we had our quiet time in the morning, but God seems quiet later on. It's because we left God in our quiet time. And so there's this passage in Psalm chapter five that I love, and it talks about early in the morning, I will set on watch, right? I will be on watch. It's called the morning watch. So I prefer to look at my morning time as like morning watch time, that when I get up in the morning, I'm not coming just to get through my Bible plan so I can check it off as done. I'm coming to meet with God. I'm coming to get fuel for my day. I'm coming to kind of watch over my day to talk through it all with God. And then from there, God's going to stay with me as I continue to move forward. And he's involved in every aspect of my life. I love this idea of morning watch. And then because you are so unique, there's many different things that we can all do based on our personality, based on what we like, that can help us just to remain at rest in Jesus. You know, for some of you, maybe you're outdoors people and you just need to take a, take a walk. Maybe it's at lunch or maybe it's mid-morning or maybe it's before you go to work or school, whatever it is, and you just need to go outside, take a walk, hear the birds and enjoy being outside. You know, for some of you, maybe it's worship music. You know, when I was recently on a trip with uh, Joe Baker and Joey McLaughlin on our staff team and, you know, we get up early in the morning or I get up early. When they get up, um, they are playing worship music. I'm like, that's, that's pretty cool because it does kind of set the frame and the tone of your day, right? It's not something I normally would do, but it's a great rhythm to be in. For some of you guys, you love to serve other people. And maybe you just need to have this regular rhythm on a regular basis, more than just once a month that, man, you're serving people because it's gonna help you to maintain focus on on God. It's gonna help you to remain at rest in Jesus. You know, for other people, maybe you like to study or maybe you just, maybe you do need quiet time. You need to go shut yourself in a dark room for a few minutes every day just to decompress and to just enjoy some quiet time. Like whatever it is for you, find that and do that on a regular basis basis. Listen, if you don't remain at rest in Jesus, you're not going to be at soul rest ever. Your life's going to be characterized by anxiety and busyness and hurry and pain and struggle. Man, listen, God wants you to live at rest, and he's given us these rhythms. Listen, I want to leave you with two questions today, two questions. This first one, what needs to be removed for you to remain at rest? Like what in your life needs to be removed For you to remain at rest. You know, what have you identified over the course of this time together, or the course of this time kind of locked in your house, right? What have you identified that 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 you realize, man, I, I don't need that. That's bad for me. I need to, I need to remove that and replace it with something else. What needs to be removed for you to remain at rest? You know, it could be that you're impatient. It could be that you're judgmental. It could be that you're always frustrated. And it could be that you're just always charging and going and doing whatever it is. Like what needs to be removed for you to remain at rest? And then this next question, what rhythms do you need to adopt to remind you to remain at rest? Like what daily rhythms do you need to adopt? Now now you may say, I don't have time for new rhythms, right? And, and, and if that's the case for you, you're going to keep living the same life that you have. If you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to get the same life because the system you have is perfectly designed to give you the life that you have. And and so you need to identify some rhythms that that you can adopt that will remind you to remain at rest. It may be a morning watch time. It may be a regular walk. It may be time to just sit down and read the scripture. It may be listening to worship music on your way to work. And from work or maybe there's some other rhythm that you need to adopt so that you can remain at rest and if you want more rest you need more of God and our schedules are busy our lives are noisy our souls are shriveling and God is silent but it doesn't have to be that way and when we can remain in Jesus he's involved in every aspect of of our life, and he is the source of life. Let's pray together. God, we just are grateful that you allow us to have rest. God, that we can settle into what it means to rest in you, that we can have a rhythm of life that gives us rest, that we can work hard, but God, also we can step back, we can stare at you, and we can feel like our soul is being replenished and full, full of vitality and peace and joy. You know as we just had this moment of prayer maybe you've never been connected to jesus you've never been attached to him and the bible is pretty clear on how simple that is it's just a choice you make to follow him that you just say god i believe that you sent your son for me to have rest to forgive me of my sins and to grant me a new life and i would love if that's you today wherever you're listening i would love just lead you in a prayer with that today so if, if that's your desire today to be connected to jesus just just pray after me dear God I trust you with my life I believe that Jesus died to forgive me of my sins and rose from the dead and I commit my life to follow him and to live at rest you know when the Bible says if you prayed that guess what man you are a new creation old things are past new things have come and I just want to help you mark that moment today so I'm gonna to count to three and, and we just believe that marking the moment is really important for us. So I wanna mark this moment with you today. So I'm gonna to count to three, on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to slip your hand up in the air just to mark this moment of you deciding to be connected to Jesus. On the count of three, one, two, 3 Let's go ahead and slip your hand in the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm believing that there are people, there have been people every week that raise their hand. I'm believing that there are people this week who are just connecting into the life of Jesus, whose lives are transformed and changed now. God, we just are grateful that you use technology and you use all of our lives to be able to, to impact others. And God, I'm grateful for this church and their generosity and their uh, tenacious commitment to live for you. And God, I pray that we would always be a church that elevates the name of Jesus, the source of life. And it's in his name that I pray, amen.